listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. I want to invite you in your Bibles this morning to the book of Proverbs. We're in a summer series that we have called the pursuit of wisdom. And remember, Proverbs is like unlike any other book that we have in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs is this unique book that is really just a collection of sayings, like not over 900 of your grandma's cliches, all bunched together, and they all kind of stand alone. Sometimes they go together. There's really no organization uh, to it. And so... Uh, it's a great book, and if you've never read through this book, you could start on any day of the week, and in 31 days, you will have read all through the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs is like this big melting pot. It's a collection of statements that are generally true. But remember, like we said last week, you will really get frustrated with Proverbs if we don't remember that Proverbs are not promises. There's always exceptions to these uh, statements. And, man, if we read it as these are uh, kind of, uh, how would you say it, promises or inflexible laws, we're going to get very, very frustrated. So the Proverbs is these general truths, these general principles, uh, but there are exceptions, but these truths should govern our lives. Remember last week, the purpose of Proverbs, if you read through the first seven verses, man, it is laid out there for us. Proverbs is meant to increase our wisdom, and it's the idea of taking truth or knowledge and combining it with experience, and when you put those two together, we should be able to make wise or the best possible choice that is there. So Proverbs are general principles that should guide our minds and our actions for everyday lives. And there's Proverbs for all kinds of things that you're going to face and we will go through as people from relationships, dealing with anger, all kinds of things. But last week we looked at the number one topic in Proverbs. Of all the Proverbs, one out of six deals with our words. And that's what we talked about last week. We saw the challenge was this, to kind of stop before we speak and ask ourselves a question. Are the words that are about to come out of my mouth, are they going to be like planting seeds or firing bullets? Because we saw that our tongue has the power of life and death in it. And we can either breathe life into people and God has given us words as a gift or we can fire them as bullets that bring death. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about something completely different. We're going to talk about the thought of laziness. Now, before I do, I want to kind of lay some ground rules about what we're talking about and what we are not talking about. And what we are not talking about is not talking about time to relax. That is needed. Or taking a vacation. Some of you look like you need one. It's not putting off the laundry to another day. It's not taking a nap. and It's not taking time to find a place and to read a book. In fact, you probably, you probably need to do more 
of those things. The Bible talks a lot about resting. In fact, as I look out, knowing most of you, you probably err on the side of working too much. You are workaholics, and you're not at all lazy. So we're not talking about taking time to relax. But the second thing today is this idea of laziness is going to be attached to the idea, the thought of poverty. Now remember that Proverbs are not promises, but general truths, but there are exceptions. And I'm not saying, and we will not say that all people in poverty are lazy, bless you. I know that some people, I know some that I would consider them being lazy And they have done very well financially. Maybe it was money they inherited or, man, they just kind of fell into some things and some decisions were made and God really blessed that. But I also know people that work their fingers to the bone and it seems like that they struggle each and every month just to get by. And so could they be lazy? Absolutely. But that's not always the case. And so it's not a one-to-one comparison. But laziness... Because it can mean a lot of different things. There's, you read through the Proverbs, and we're going to look at several this morning. It can mean idleness. And that's probably what we mostly think of. It's a person sitting, not doing what they should be doing, not acting green. They're, they're just idle. But it can also mean a person that's hesitant, meaning they refuse to make hard decisions. They're just not going to do it. Being lazy can be irresponsible. Not owning up for the things that you are called to do. Sometimes it can mean not beginning things or not finishing them, meaning that we refuse to take the initiative or we just can't follow through with things. And the Bible says that's laziness, refusing to face hard things, always making excuses. These are all forms of laziness. But I was thinking this week, well, what is it? What causes a person to be lazy? Because I'll be honest, it's hard for me to take time and just kind of be, I, I feel bad about it. I feel like, man, I should be doing something. And, but there's many causes to our laziness. I think sometimes the fear of failing. We can refuse to put in an effort because really we're afraid that we're just going to fail, so we're just not going to act. But the cousin to that, the fear of failure, can also be the fear of success. That many people maybe you know, subconsciously are worried uh, about certain things, about succeeding, about what it may potentially do to them or other people. I don't know, maybe there's a lady thinking, I don't want to take that job because, man, then I make more than my husband, so I'm just not going to do that. So it's a fear of success. But there's also kind of a factor in laziness, a Desire for nurture. So men, I'm going to talk to us for just a moment because this is probably most of us. We like ladies to be taken care of. We just do. We, we like to be taken care of. And so sometimes we might do things because we really want to be taken care of. Is that me? Bobby knows what it is. See, that's not being lazy.
Testing one, two. There, I'm good. I'm not on now. I am down here. I'm now I'm good. No, I'm not. I, can, I will just speak loudly and let them figure it out. Now, where in the world was, there I am, there I am. Now, where in the world was, oh, this desire to nurture. So, really what we might do, it's that time, men, where you know that shirt needs to be ironed, and you put it on anyway, because you know there's no way your wife's going to let you out of the house without it being ironed, and so this desire to be taken care of, it really can produce a laziness in us. Or what about fear of expectations? We can set the bar low and often can do that in a way to prevent others from having too high expectations for us. And what it does is creates this laziness in us. But I think a sad one, and I've seen it, and at times I think I've even experienced it, is the idea, the truth of depression. When hopelessness kind of sets in, and that sets in on a person, it seems like inactivity quickly follows. So Proverbs, here's what it's doing over and over again. It says there are so many roads that lead to our destruction and the destruction of other people. Last week, it was a road marked by our words. So this morning, we're going to look at the idea of a road marked with laziness. So I love to operate out of a big idea. I like to read the passage, and I try to summarize it into kind of one statement. What is this uh, passage talking about? Well, I stole it this morning from a lady named Anne Frank. Anne Frank, one of the most discussed uh, Jewish victims of the Holocaust. She spent three years in hiding with her family, several different concentration camps before she eventually died. She's made famous by that diary titled, The Diary of a Young Girl. But in that book, this is what she wrote. Laziness. It may appear to be attractive, but work... It gives satisfaction. And I think that's what the purpose and the main idea of what we're going to look at today. So in your Bibles, in the book of Proverbs, go to chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 6 this morning, and we're going to kind of walk down through verse 11. It's a really interesting proverb. It's got a kind of unique word picture for us. Beginning in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, this is how it reads. Go to the ant, O sluggard, mean lazy one. Consider her ways and be wise. So Solomon is one of his proverbs. We have many authors in, in this book, but this one is Solomon's. And I don't know, he could have, in fact, one of his sons in mind. Or maybe this is an idea where he's just kind of speaking in general to people about the idea of a sluggard. But he begins with the word go. So there's an, a call to action. Go to this ant. And it says to consider, meaning, meaning to think about. So he's taking that idea of wisdom, of knowledge, thinking, and also the idea of experiences and action. And it says go and consider the ant. Now it's interesting to think about that here we are, the crown of God's creation. Created in God's image. We were created to rule. And we have to go and learn from the ant. The, the pesky little, I don't know if it's a fire ant, sugar ant, whatever it might be, that we, as God's crowning creation, we're to go and to watch and to learn from a little ant. And why would he do that? Well, 
I don't know, but it's interesting that everything about us, everything about us was affected at the fall. In fact, we see the idea of work even before the fall happened. But after the fall, our attitude towards work changed. The effort needed changed. The effects on us changed. And so I think what God does is He places these lessons even within nature, and they are all meant to lead us back to Him. Think about this. Uh, we have this outdoor patio, and it seems like birds have taken over our house. We've got two in the garage. we got one in this desk, but there's one up in our outdoor kind of covered patio. And then this ant, we watched it for, I mean, bird for weeks and weeks. She began coming and building everything, all the energy she had into this nest in the corner. Man, she would see you coming and she would fly off. And then before long, we noticed that you could get closer and closer. And just yesterday, all of a sudden, we see these little beaks kind of sticking up out of out of the uh, the nest, and man, here's this bird that spent all of this time building this nest, defended it, and it was all to nurture and to care for her children. I mean, what a great reminder of, of our calling as parents. Or you take the otter. Have you ever watched them, how resourceful an otter is? They need to get this clam open. So some otter figures out, you know, I'm going to lay on my back, I'm going to put another rock on my belly, and eventually, I'm going to get that clam open. They're so resourceful. Or you take the friendliness and the loyalty of a Labrador. Or how about the patience of a sloth? I mean, all of these things in nature are to draw us back to who we are and how God created us. So he says, go to and learn from an ant. Now, I don't know, I was a kid that took the magnifying glass, always burning, you know, the ants, thought that was the coolest thing. And so, what we're going to see today are four lessons from the ant. So, here's the first one. We should not always need to be told what to do. Look at verse 7. So, go consider the ant, oh, you sluggard, you lazy one. They are ones without having any chief any officer, or a ruler. So he gives us this idea, Solomon does, of these three different offices. And this first one is the chief. It's the idea of a judge or one that kind of cuts off disputes or it makes decisions. The chief is the one that upholds and enforces the law. And the point is, the ant has no need for chiefs because they understand what is expected of them, how they were created, and they live in that perfectly. So they have no need for laws or even someone to enforce it. Now think about us. If everyone obeyed the speed limit, there'd be no need for cops to give out speeding tickets. If everyone just did what was expected of them, there would be no need for that. So ants don't need a law to be enforced upon them because they don't break the law. They have no need for a chief. But they also, they have no need for an officer. And this is someone that organizes, they, they orchestrate, they, they communicate what you are to do at all times. And this idea of officers, like the, uh, when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, they had officers over them that told them what to do, how to do it, and with what effort. If you didn't do it, you might get whipped or, or you might, uh, might get punished in some way. But the ant does not need anyone to organize their activities. 
They understand their role. And they apply themselves to the task because they know the mission. They have no need for an officer. But our children, they still need an officer. If it was up to them, they would spend all of their days mindlessly watching TV and doing nothing else. So what does mom need to do? She plans her day with chores. Outside play, inside play, educational activities. You have to read for 30 minutes. Creative time, drawing and doing different things. Because she has to organize their time because they need an officer. So they, need a, they do not need a chief. They do not need an officer. But it also says they don't need a ruler. Just someone in generally having authority over them. This can mean so many different areas. But the ant... The ant has no need for someone to be over them to exercise authority. So I think what Solomon's saying is wisdom is not always needing someone to tell you what to do and when to do it. Wisdom, it's taking initiative. Wisdom is knowing how God created you and living freely and fully in that. So lesson number one is we should not always need someone to tell us what to do. But there's another one. We're going to see live in the moment, but always, always keeping an eye on the future. Look at verse 8. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. So there's this, there's this idea of seasons and, and times change, and you always are working. You're always doing something. And the ant works really hard in that current season, but it's always keeping an eye and preparing for the next season to come. But a lazy person, the sluggard, the foolish one, it thinks only about where they are in the present condition. Because listen, it's just too much work. It's just too much work to think about what next week and next month or, or that next season is going to bring. Listen to how John Kitchen puts it. He says, foolishness only labors when the stomach growls. But wisdom... Wisdom labors, labors because it knows the stomach will growl. Now, I want to show us something interesting about this idea of laziness or, or idleness. That is found in 2 Thessalonians 3, if you want to mark that, if you want to uh, turn there, and I'll set it up. So, Paul, Paul is not ever ashamed of telling us to beware or to even stay away from certain types of people. Tells us to stay away from false teachers. Tells us to not be yoked with unbelievers. You are to avoid people that are two-faced. 1 Corinthians 5, you are not to associate with someone that says they're a believer, a Christian, but are sexually immoral and full of greed. Psalm 26 says, stay away from liars. 2 Corinthians 15 tells us bad company, it ruins good morals. So Paul shows us, he tells us to stay away from all certain types of people. But there's a group that's mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 6. So let me read it slowly and, and set it up because it isn't at all what I thought it would be. He says, now we command you. As the authority, we are telling you to do something. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how serious this command is. That you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness. Or a sluggard or is lazy. And not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. 
Because see, these believers, they were out of balance. What was happening is they were so consumed with Jesus was going to return. And listen, that's a great thought. We need to remind ourselves, yes, Jesus could return at any moment. But they misunderstood, they, they misapplied it. They were so concerned, they were so focused that Jesus can come back tomorrow that they refused to work. They just sat around and did nothing. They were idle. And Paul says, those type of people, you need to stay away from them. So wisdom is not just being busy, but it's anticipating future needs and being motivated to prepare for it. Wisdom is not only working because your stomach growls, but working because you know your stomach will growl. Or you might say this, wisdom is not waiting until you're a crisis to reach out to God, but reaching out to Him daily, knowing that crisis could be just around the corner. So lesson number two is this idea, live in the moment. Work hard in the moment, but always keep an eye on the future and that things could change. Lesson three, don't worship the creation, but the creator. Or you could say, don't worship the creation over the creator. Look at verse nine. It's in the form of a question. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? Will you arise from your sleep? And what we see is that we are really good at making good things ultimate things. We are really good at worshiping the creation over the creator. We are good at turning anything into an idol. And here's what the sluggard or the lazy person is seen. They're seen as a worshiper of sleep. Sluggard is taking a God-given blessing of rest and sleep. These are good things. They should be enjoyed. But the sluggard makes it more important than it should be. Man, what a great reminder for us this morning that we are all in danger of taking God-given blessings and making them more important than they should be. So wisdom is not turning good things into ultimate things. Wisdom is not letting things and people rule us. It is putting our happiness and our joy in the right thing. And so the sluggard was putting all of, all of its joy, all of its happiness in worshiping the idea of sleep. So lesson number three is, do not worship the creation over the creator. But here's the fourth lesson. Small decisions can lead to massive consequences. Look at verse 10 and 11. This is a little sleep, a little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. And so we had this little powerful picture of, of a man reclining with his hands folded. Maybe resting on his belly. And he's back. His mouth is open. And he's sleeping. And I mean, it sounds pretty good. At least it, it does to me. But notice how innocent it begins. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And it doesn't seem like much at all. In fact, it seems really attractive. But then you notice what happens. Poverty comes upon that man like a robber. 
it's unexpected. It even comes unnoticed because bandits in this time would conceal themselves in, in the landscape, in the surroundings, and they would wait for passerbys to be traveling from city to city, just waiting for the moment to ambush them. So Solomon says that so is poverty or need are just waiting to ambush a person. And the easiest victim, it's the sluggard. But I, I want to make a clarification here. This, this is not the picture of a man that is, uh, it's not this idea of a man who is wanting to work, but he just can't find work. No, it's a man that's just refusing it. The opportunity is there but he's just too lazy to get up out of his lazy boy and to do something. And so I think Solomon's point is this, that it may seem like small decisions, but in the end, they can end up costing you greatly. You know, through my years as, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk with people that were in some very difficult situations. Man, it just seemed like that it was bad decision after bad decision. They find themselves just almost in ruin, and, and they've dug themselves such a deep hole. But I've realized that that can become so paralyzing to people. that they, they, they can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel, or how this situation could possibly get any better. My advice has always been, listen, you will not change this overnight. But the next thing to do is to make the next right decision. The next decision, whatever that decision might be, as small as it might be, make the next right decision. And then what happens is you start stringing together some right decisions. And before long, you find yourself in such a better place. But then the opposite is also true. A life is hardly ever ruined by one just major decision but a whole lot of bad little decisions along the way. Derek Kidner in his commentary, says it really in a creative way. He says that the sluggard does not commit himself to a refusal, meaning he doesn't just say no, but he deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders, meaning it's just a little bit here, a little bit there. So, by inches and minutes, his opportunity slips away. So I think Solomon is saying that small decisions, I mean, if we are not careful, can lead to massive consequences. It's so much bigger than just a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. He says, no, it is much more important than you realize. Because what happens is laziness. I mean, it may seem really attractive, but we'll find that really it's work that brings satisfaction. And so, you know, there are a lot of roads. There's a lot of roads, and this may not be yours. This road of laziness, it may not be your road that you have to be aware of, but there are a lot of ways for destruction can happen. So what I want to do, I want to quickly just kind of hit some of these proverbs about laziness, and maybe this widens our scope of it a little bit more. So for time's sake, I'm just going to kind of read them, and if you want to jot them down, but the first one, Proverbs 10, 26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who send him. 
So smoke and vinegar are these things that are unpleasant. They can be painful. They're, they're irritants. And if someone is counting on us, in this example, delivering a message, and we don't follow through, he says that's being a sluggard, and it comes at the expense of others, and we become just an irritant to people. Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. So it's this person that maybe they made the effort to go hunt, but they get home, and they're just too lazy to cook it. It's just too much effort. So this person, they lack discipline. They lack follow-through. I think that it could even be considered wasteful. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the delight is richly supplied. So a sluggard, they have cravings, they have desires, but they refuse to put the effort forward that's needed. So it's like a student that says, you know what? I want to be in the top 10% of my class so that I get to get into my college of choice. But they just refuse to put the effort in. This person, they have great intentions. but They only remain that. They're just good intentions. In fact, the father of modern management, Peter Drucker, thinking of this idea, his plans are only good intentions unless they immediately degenerate into hard work. Or what about Proverbs 18.9? Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. And this destroys word means to waste. This is a person that squanders or they kind of waste their time or even the time of others. I mean, think about all the ways we can waste time. Social media, TV, not showing up to work prepared, leaving before we should, not working as efficiently as we know we can. But this person, it can also be a busybody. That's somebody that's always meddling in everybody else's affairs, and it makes it impossible for that other person to work. Or what about 2616? The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So laziness, it actually leads to consent. Those who can't, they always seem to be the ones that want to tell others how to do it. It's someone who thinks they have all the answers. They love to give advice. They actually lack the wisdom to actually do things themselves. But here's my favorite. Psalm 22, 13. The sluggard, the lazy person says, There's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. So, so the lazy person refuses to go outside just because of the slight possibility that a lion might be roaming the streets. And this is supposed to be read as like an unrealistic claim because I'm no expert, but I don't think lions are just roaming free in northern Israel. I don't think there's any around there. But this lazy person comes up with any excuse, as crazy as it might seem, just to not do what they should or to get out of doing something. And they go to great lengths just to justify doing nothing. You know, and as I look out at us, and I think about you, I think about me, I don't think at all that we're a lazy group of people. I, I don't think... Were that. In fact, 
But I do think it gives us an opportunity to examine ourselves spiritually. Think about it this way. What about missed opportunities to see God? We might have a problem. We don't have a problem of really laying around and doing nothing. But we can get really lazy spiritually. We know that God created us and He created us to worship Him as Adam reminded us this morning. And in so many different ways. But think about all the moments that simply pass us by and we just miss it. Or what about rationalizing sin? God has called us to live lives, to honor Him, to follow after Christ. But we can easily say, listen, it's just a little sleep. It's just a little slumber. It's just a little folding of the hands. Nothing will really happen. Or Man, I can stop any time I want. No one's really going to get hurt. But the truth is that we might look at these as just little decisions. But in the end, they can end up destroying our testimony and our witness. Or we might make excuses. Oftentimes we know God has placed opportunities in our lives to experience Him and to even be used by Him. And if we're not careful, we can miss Him and the opportunity by making excuses. So this is what I want to end with this morning. I want to end with a challenge against laziness. Uh, Clint mentioned earlier that across all three campuses, and next week we'll have some more information, but I want to I kind of break the ice this morning. All across the three campuses, we're going to have something called the Summer Salt Project. And this is what it is. He mentioned it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, that we aren't to be, it says we are salt of the earth. So here's the challenge. This is how we're going to talk about this, that we want to be salt in someone's life this summer. So I want you to use this criteria, and this is for everyone. There's no excuse. Think of someone you know, someone that you've never had in your home, and someone where maybe you just don't know where they are spiritually. And this is what you do. You invite them into your home. I don't know, maybe grill out, maybe order some pizza, but invite them into your home. Let them see you even in the chaos that you live in. Let them see it. Let them see you with your children. Show them hospitality. Be vulnerable. Pray before the meal. Ask them, hey, how can my family be praying for you? And you simply invite them into your home. Let them see who you are, warts and all. And invite them in just to share a meal. But here's my tendency. When I hear this, my tendency is to be the sluggard. My tendency is to go, you know, I can make all the excuses. I'm too busy. Well, they're too busy. Um, Maybe it's, I can think of all the things that could go wrong. You know, there could be a line that could walk down the street and eat them when they're coming to my house. Or, you know, there's there's no reason they would want to come to my house. You know, I'm just this poor person. There's no way they'd want to be around me. And we can think of all the things that could go wrong. I can think it's a great idea for everyone else, but refuse to act on it myself. Or I can simply just be afraid. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what they're going to think. I don't know what they'll, they'll see. Laziness may appear attractive, but work brings, work gives satisfaction. Because this is what we're praying. 
that God would use you and he would use this salt project to do something amazing in your life and in my life into someone else's life. You never know. Maybe this family comes and you invite them into your home and through a series of events, they could come to know Christ and their identity could forever change. You know, maybe they come to find a church home. Maybe they come to connect to a group of people that they never realized there could be relationships like this. Maybe there's a crisis right around the corner and God's going to use you in their life to help them through that time. So God can use us and I believe he will. So the challenge is let's not be sluggards. Because laziness, listen, it may seem attractive and we can come up with all sorts of scenarios, but work and it gives satisfaction. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.